How are music therapists changing the lives of people in Canada? What is the latest research and trends? You are tuned into the Canadian Music Therapy Podcast, and we will explore these questions with our guests today. Let's get started. Welcome to the Canadian Music Therapy Podcast. We're your hosts, Adrian and Kathy. On today's show, we're speaking with Mary Jane Landiker from Kansas, the first U.S. certified music therapist featured on our program. Mary Jane will be talking with us about her journey into music therapy and about working with the interns. She'll also share more about her thoughts on the future of music therapy. And here's a little more about Mary Jane. She is a board-certified music therapist who works with children and adolescents in a special-purpose school in rural Kansas. She's an internship director and the continuing education director and treasurer of the Online Conference for Music Therapy Incorporated and a 30-year veteran of the music therapy profession. She is the owner of www.musictherapyworks.com, where she focuses on providing music therapists with products to enhance their clinical practice. Welcome to the podcast, Mary Jane. We're excited to have you here from Kansas. Thank you. I appreciate being invited because I, um, I was kind of surprised, but very honored. So thank you very much for asking to talk. I guess, you know, the Canadian Music Therapy Podcast, right? So it's, you know... <laughs> crossing the border right now so yeah we were uh, we'd heard about the great work that you're doing I just wanted to connect with you and and learn more well thanks again I appreciate it so the first question I want to ask you is how did you hear about the profession of music therapy initially well this is one of my one of my passion questions and projects I love to hear how people hear about music therapy because it was one of those things I had never heard about growing up and a chance comment when I was in between my eighth grade year and my freshman year in high school just set me off on this this journey that I've been on for the last 31 years. And so it was just kind of this surprise question. And I a fine arts seminar through Girl Scouts when I was, like I said, in between my eighth grade and my ninth grade years in school. And I went as a vocalist and we had daily lectures on careers in music. And so it was towards the end of the, the fine arts seminar and the music educator professor came in. They tried to find women who were, who were parts of all of these different professional opportunities to come in and talk to those of us because we were all girls. And so she came in, she was a professor at the University of Evansville in Evansville, Indiana. And she went through her discussion and her talk about, you know, this is what you do if you're a music educator and all that stuff. And she finished up and she said, oh, before I leave, I need to tell you one more thing. There's another another field of study that we have here at the University of Evansville, but the professor wasn't available. So she wasn't able to come talk to you, but she wanted me to give you these Xerox copies of the music therapy propaganda that was available in in the mid 80s and she said it's called music therapy and she put down the brochures and walked out and I went click and something just kind of clicked in my head and I went okay that's it that's what I'm going to do I'm fortunate because I went to school and loved it and went to my internship and loved it even more and found jobs that were related to music therapy it took me about 14 months before I found my first music therapy, full-time music therapy position. I've continued to enjoy this profession ever since. And so I'm very, very 
very happy to be able to continue to be a music therapist. Like I said, 31 years later, after you know, 31 years post-graduate or post-degree later, I've known about it for a lot longer than that. So that's my origin story. And it's something that that I'm always fascinated to find out what other people, how other people got into this profession. That's fascinating, right? Just like a side comment, a handout, and, and you were so young, but, you know, listening at that time. And what were the qualities? Do you remember, like, what were the qualities of a music therapist that you were drawn to or just the name, like music combined with therapy? Or Well, my mother's an occupational therapist, and she had been, it was kind of interesting. She hadn't been a practicing occupational therapist until about three years before I I heard about this. So she was a stay-at-home mom from the time I was born until I was about 11. I always knew that she was an occupational therapist. And so you want to be when you grow up and all those types of things. I was, I was kind of drawn towards the idea of being a therapist, but not an occupational therapist because that's what mom did. And, you know, <laughs> angsty tween and teen and like, no, I'm not going to do what mom did. Um, knew that music was a big part of my life, just assumed I'd always be a teacher because I liked being around kids and, and doing those kinds of things. And music was a big part of our family and my growing up. Didn't know anything about it until I heard those two words together. And then, like I said, I heard this audible click in my head and it was just like the puzzle just kind of went shunk. There it is. That's what you're going to do. And so from then on, I... I only looked at colleges that offered music therapy programs. And at that time, there were 40 in the United States. Now there's like 80, 90, something like that. And so we've grown a lot <laughs> since the mid 80s, which has been really nice to see and to be part of. And so, yeah, so it just continued to be something that continued to keep me interested and excited and, and part of the community. Oh, that's cool. And so um, what types of things excite you about being a music therapist? I, I am a clinician. I'm a clinician through and through. I have been my entire career, never really even considered anything else. And so for me, always and foremost, it's working with my clients. And my clients are kids who have failed in all kinds of educational settings, all kinds of community settings, we are a, I work for a facility that is a psychiatric residential treatment facility that also has an associated day school for kids and adolescents ages 5 to 22 who have multiple concerns and lots of symptomology and all kinds of, of issues. They, they fall into the category of dual diagnosed individuals and individuals with exceptionalities and the the opportunity that I get to to play music with them and to engage with them every single day is simultaneously challenging challenging exhilarating surprising i mean there is never a routine day at my facility sure. <laughs> and yeah with my students and and that is something that keeps me going um, as a clinician is because I can, I can, I can play. I mean, I can sing silly songs and watch kids giggle who don't giggle in other places. And I can show a kid how to play their accordion in a way that they've never played it before. And you could just see this feeling of, wow, what's going on <laughs> thing with, with our students. In the profession at large, I am excited about all kinds of things, especially how much more commonplace music therapy has become. And I know a lot of people 
people are, are looking from their own perspective and saying, I can't find a music therapy job. What is going on? But I can tell you that when I have those chance encounters on the street now, almost everybody has heard something about music therapy. Whereas before it used to be, you know, I'd say, well, what do you do? Well, I'm a music therapist. And then I'd sit there and count in my head, one, one thousand, <laughs> two, one thousand, three, one thousand. And they'd say, so what is a musical therapist yeah. <laughs> after all? And I had to grit my teeth and well, a music therapist, you know, helps people reach their goals, their personal goals through the use and application of specific music and la, 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 and go through my definition. And now people will say things instead of that three seconds of just go ahead and ask me, they'll say things like, um, oh, I've heard about that. You know, I, I've my I have a cousin who has a child with the diagnosis of autism and they do music therapy or my grandmother was in hospice and they had a music therapist who came or I saw something on the evening news about music and music therapy and how it how it affects the lives of clients. And that's so exciting. Because I, I know that in another 50 years, we'll probably people will be like, Oh, music therapy. Oh, yeah, sign me up. I did that with my occupational therapist, my physical therapist, my speech pathologist, and now music therapy. That's just the way we go. What a change you've seen in 30 years. It's it's amazing. I mean, and it, this has just been over like the last 15, I would say. Mm. And it's just, it's it's been fascinating and is something that I hope people who are going through those struggles right now of saying, I can't find a music therapy job, realize that while it is better than it used to be, there are still things that we need to work on and improve on but we have made huge strides. And so I fully hope that we will continue to do that. Yeah, and even when you were speaking about the growth in programs, in education programs, um, mm -hmm. and I'm curious, where did you study? I went to the University of Kansas. Oh, you did, yeah. Yes, um, I, I was um, <laughs> a very reluctant Jayhawk because my parents were both uh, University of Kansas alums. They met, they married there. I mean, everything. We would go every every November and they'd say, well, when you go to school here, you'll do this, this, and this. And I'd always swear up, down, and sideways, nope, not going to happen. And when I got that little brochure at the time, uh, this was when we had two associations in the States. We had the National Association and the American Association for Music Therapy. The National Association for Music Therapy was centered in Lawrence, Kansas, where the University of Kansas is. And the president was one of the professors at the University of Kansas. And I started doing research and found out it was a whole lot cheaper to go to school in Kansas than it was to go to school in California. And so I kind of had to bite my tongue and go to the University of Kansas. And I didn't regret it. I went back for grad school. And so it turned out to be okay. But pill I had to swallow <laughs> to just go, oh, I, yeah, I swore up and down. I would never go here. What a wonderful choice it was. And it, it was definitely the right choice for me. Absolutely. So. And so now in your work, you're an internship director as well and have internship placements. And so I'd love if you could talk about what music therapy students need to learn before they come into internship <laughs> these days. This is this is always, again, something that I'm always very passionate about is that um you know, music therapy students need to have a really good foundation of 
knowledge and practice skill that they might not necessarily have realized were so important as undergrads or or in their program, whatever, if it's an equivalency program or a master's program, master's level entry, whatever it is. For me, I have always said that in the 1,020 hours that I have an intern with me at my facility, I can either teach them how to be musical or I can teach them how to be a therapist. I can't do both. And so for me, music functional music skills need to be to the point where you're not even really thinking about chords, you know, D, 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 G, G, D, D. That needs to be so well ingrained in your body and how you interact musically that you don't really think too much about it. But there also needs to be that relationship aspect. And so I will take a student who comes to my facility and um, auditions for me. I will take somebody who struggles with the music part, but who can sit down and have a conversation with my students and will ask them questions about who those students are and, and show that kind of relationship building focus. Or I will take somebody who's got really, really good music skills that are rock solid aren't aren't um, wobbly at all, but who might be a little bit more standoffish with my students because I can do one or the other. But in 1,020 hours, it's hard to do both. And I think I think a lot of times um, we just kind of send people off into internship and hope that they're going to do what they need to do. And so that's that can be a concern if you're accepting somebody to come to your facility to spend the greater part of six months with you because they're they're on me you know that they, they I've accepted them anything that they do is my my responsible my my personal and professional responsibility to my clients who pay us for the services that they receive and so really looking at that um I think music therapists therapy students need to have a pretty good idea of what this job entails before they head off to internships. So as much observation, as much conversation with other music therapists who may not necessarily be directly affiliated with the educational program is good. And so having an opportunity to sit down with someone who is a music therapist someplace else and just say, tell me what are your biggest challenges? You know, what are the things that that frustrate you? And what are the things that, that keep you in this job? And, you know, when you were my age or when you were in my part, similar situation, what did you want to do? And what do you wish you had known then? And, and to really get an opportunity to interact with more music therapists than maybe just happened to be there at the University of Kansas. Because while they are wonderful people, they have their experiences and their their opinions and ideas. And there are as many experiences and ideas as there are music therapists out in the world. So I would really hope that they would take advantage, students would take advantage of the music therapy community, which is always very open and approachable. At least I've found it that way most of the time. Not always, but most of the time. Um, you know, you can always find somebody who you can talk to and you can ask those questions. Really wonderful advice and words of wisdom. And I, you and I are 
like-minded in many ways. <laughs> I would agree. You have, uh, you own a website, musictherapyworks.com, and you provide products that help enhance clinical practice. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I own musictherapyworks.com. Like I was the, one of the first people who got a music therapy anything. So that's why there's the .com at the end. Right. I've always had this idea of having kind of a consultant based business for music therapists, for idea generation, for community building, for continuing education, but really focusing in on music therapists as opposed to doing consultation work or contract work with clients, because I do a lot of that with my full-time job. And so when I come home, my, my home hours are not really conducive to going out to the community to do music therapy sessions with community members because they just don't match well. And so my focus has always been sharing information as much as possible, hosting people with, with ideas, questions, opportunities to, to make, build community. Um, something that started for me during the pandemic was having monthly meetings of any music therapist who wanted to join to just talk about music therapy and and about some of the challenges that we had. And so we had a school-based music therapy group for a while where we would all get together and just talk about how are you singing through a mask? You know, what are you doing if you're having to do Zoom with kids from all over the place, none of whom have any instruments whatsoever, and but you still have music therapy on their IEP. So how are you facilitating this? And did a lot of, of information sharing. We all learned how to make Google Slides and we we did you know did did some community building that way and then we had another one that happened for a while that was for internship supervisors a pandemic interns are a different breed of people and so and it's it's not because of you know anything other than they had to go through this learning situation in the middle of a world that was constantly moving and shaking underneath them and so to, to move from being a supervisor who has very specific ideas about what shall happen to these poor students who are coming out of their programs wondering what goes on. I, I, had, I had interns who had never led a music therapy group before and trying to figure out how to shift how I supervised them to get them what they needed so I could move them out into the world to be competent music therapists was something I really needed some help with. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a, an upcoming meeting next Monday night where it's just going to be kind of a therapeutic music experience idea fest where we're just going to sit down and say, I have a client who needs help brushing and we did the brush your teeth song and we're all done with that. I need other things to get this client from step point A to point B help. And using the music therapy collective mind and brainstorming and thinking and giving those people of, you know, music therapists, a community to kind of think and work through some of these things that happen to us on a regular basis. That is wonderful. So can people find a way to connect to the groups through your website? 
they will shortly <laughs> by the time this is published. Yes. Currently, not through the website, but through my Facebook page, which is musictherapyworks.com. Uh, so perfect. You look at Landacre or you could look at Facebook, musictherapyworks.com, you can find that form there. But yeah, it should probably go on the website too. Excellent. Thank you. I'll I'll write that down right here. Okay. <laughs> Idea generation is happening. Exactly. And it's that collective mind. I sometimes need more than just me thinking about oh, things. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> um, I do have one last question for you. And we would love to hear what you see as the future of music therapy going forward. This is this is something that I talk about quite often. Um because I'm a little I'm a little nervous about our future as a profession. Not because of anything happening outside in the world per se, but a little bit about how we are interacting with one another. And I think in, in 15 years, we're going to look back and we're going to say, okay, this period of time from 2020, when everything that we know changed until about 2025, 2030, something in there, um, our profession went through some pretty significant shifts, changes, and paradigm alterations. I think for me personally, and, and keep in mind that this is completely and 100% my opinion and not anybody else's, and it's based completely on my perceptions and the experiences that I've had. I feel like we are doing a lot more arguing with one another about what we should be doing than actually doing what we do. And so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that we will come to a point where we recognize that it is okay for me to have my opinion and my idea and for you to hold a completely different opinion, values, idea, philosophical orientation, whatever it is, language, I mean, whatever it happens to be, and that we can still be considered music therapists and we can still be here to to move this profession forward and to continue to be music therapists into the future. I feel very strongly that our students are, are raring to go. They are so ready to be music therapists when they come out of school. And I want them to still have that enthusiasm and still have that focus on the future 20 years from now, 30 years from now, you know, that they will, they will continue to still be part of a profession that's growing and dynamic and allows for all kinds of viewpoints and ideas and opportunities to arrive. I've been, I've been thinking a lot of this. And one of the, uh, one of the things that's kind of nice about being a vintage music therapist, those of us who, who were in my, my graduating class, we decided we're vintage music therapists now. We we really have that historical perspective to be able to say things are so much better than they used to be. Things aren't exactly what we want them to be, but they are so much better than they used to be. But we need to be careful as a group of professionals that we don't lose sight of what it is we want to do, which is continue to be music therapists and continue to have, have client access to music therapy services into the far off future. Really important message, Mary Jane, and really well put. <laughs> and I agree. And 
share share your dream and hope for the future that we can be open-minded and collaborative and lift one another up thank you so much for being here with us today i believe you are the first certified music therapist from the united states that we have had on the canadian music therapy podcast i believe so too i looked (laughs) through the lists and was like oh okay (laughs) a little extra pressure there (laughs) thank you so much for having me being here Thank you for joining us on the Canadian Music Therapy Podcast. To learn more about resources from the show, please visit beyondthestudio.ca. Thanks for listening.